Hello and welcome to the Unfuck Your Biz podcast, a show for creatives to encourage and inspire through actionable legal, tax, money, and business topics. I'm Braden Drake, an author, lawyer, tax pro, and educator. If you are ready to get your legal and tax shit legit, you are in the right place. But before we fully dive in, here is a quick word from my sponsors. This episode is brought to you by my program, Unfuck Your Contracts. It's really more like a bank of contract templates, along with training videos to help you get your client contract up to speed, along with all your other contracts. I have postponement agreements, cancellate a cancellation template, a release agreement, a contractor agreement, and more. So if you need some help with your contract, go sign up. And I'm running a special promotion just for the month of July. The first 10 people to join me in Unfuck Your Contracts this month will get a three-week live program with me where we will have meetings, uh, actually work together on creating your contract and go through the program step-by-step as a group with Q&A. It's going to be awesome. So that's all I have for you. Make sure you go to my website and check it out. Shoot me a DM if you have questions. Now let's get on with the episode. Well, hello there and welcome back to the podcast. This is episode three in our contract series. If you're not up to date, make sure you go back and listen to the first two episodes. We started with an interview with my friend Denight, who is a branding consultant, web designer, all of the things to help you get your messaging dialed in. And we talked about how she has updated her contract through the years working with new clients. Last episode, we dug into scope of services. So I shared at the introduction of that podcast episode about how the intro terms and the payment terms are really the most important part of your contract, or at least they're, they're like the, I don't know if I want to say the most important because there's a lot of legal parts that we really need, right? But they're the two most like rudimentary parts of your contract. I talked about if you were going to like handwrite on a piece of paper, a contract for something you're going to sell, like you're going to have the thing that you're selling, the thing that you're providing, that's the scope of services and the amount of money the other person is giving you for that thing. That's the payment terms, right? So these are essential elements of our contract. I probably don't need to really preach on why payment terms are so important. Like you're never going to have a contract where you're not like without saying how much this person's going to pay you for the thing that you're providing for them, right? So you understand the importance, but what often is, gets neglected is the different parts of the comp, like the different parts of the payment terms. So you have to consider how much in total are they paying you? Like what's the total contract price? If you're providing them with services over a number of months, is it going to be one total fee? How much is that fee? And then if you're going to break it into payments, what's the first payment? When are they going to pay you the first payment? Do they owe, do they owe you the first payment before you hold a date before you have an initial consultation, before you begin the services. What day does that payment need to be made? When are the remaining payments to be made? Are they going to pay the remaining payments before you deliver a certain part of the project, before a certain event occurs? Is that going to be on a certain date or just a number of days before an event's going to happen, right? So 60 days before a wedding, 90 days before an event, uh, before you deliver the second part of the project, right? If you're doing like, I don't know, a logo design in three different stages, like you need to have a payment before you deliver each like revision, something like that. What happens if they pay late? So 
Are you going to delay your services if they, they don't pay you on time? Are you going to pause your work? Are you going to no-show their event if you haven't been paid? That's a really, really tricky one, right? Because then you're worried, are they going to sue me for breach of contract if I don't show up to their wedding day because they haven't paid me? Well, they probably breached the contract first, but it's still really scary. So that all needs to be outlined as well. And then also method of payment. And if that matters, can they pay you by check? Can they pay you by cash? Can they pay you by Venmo or credit card or debit card? Typically, we take all forms of payment, um, although I've never had someone pay me in cash for like legal services. Um, but some people don't want to take credit cards because of credit card processing fees. In the modern day, I don't recommend that. But I do have a student, one of my current students in Unfuck Your Biz, she takes all of her payments by check. Uh, she, and I asked her like point blank, I was like, this is kind of an awkward, quite like not really an awkward question, but I said, are most of your clients older? And she said, yes. She's like, most of my clients are over 40. Most of them are over 50. They always have a checkbook. Uh, all my clients are local. We meet in person for uh, all of our meetings. So they just write me a check and that works great. But a lot of the younger generation does not own a checkbook. I'm sure some people probably don't know how to write a, like, write a check if they needed to. And also a lot of us now work remote, right? So we might have one meeting with our client, but I know at this point, I only do Zoom meetings. Like even if someone lived around the block, we're probably going to have a Zoom meeting. So checks just don't work. So consider method of payment as well. Okay, so generally small businesses take payment in one of five ways. So let's look at these five ways people are typically taking payments. So the first method is hourly payment. It's pretty simple, right? So hourly payments probably going to be most common among someone like a virtual assistant or maybe a consultant, like a life coach, maybe, or a business coach. Like they might charge you per session. They might pay, charge you by hour. Ultimately, that's pretty similar, right? Because if they charge you $200, $400 per session, and each session is an hour, well, they're charging you $200 or $400 per hour, right? Or you're charging your clients that amount. So hourly or per meeting. Uh, if you're doing coaching, you might just have coaching packages. So the package is $2,000 you get 10 calls that are one hour. So that comes out to $200 each. Ultimately, doesn't make a difference. It's just how you want to word it. And slight nuances may make a difference depending on how you're going to write some of your other provisions, like if they cancel a call or something like that. Like if you say no cancellations, you don't get your money back. Well, now you're technically charging more per hour. So if you wanted to do it that way, then you would want to have like a package price, not an hourly price. The next option is monthly payment, right? So monthly payment, again, could be something that a virtual assistant would use, something that a coach or a consultant could use for sure. I also have had students uh, who are wedding professionals, like a wedding planner uses monthly payments. And the one thing we have to think about with regard to monthly payments is, I think oftentimes we think about a monthly payment is you pay me this amount this amount like in perpetuity or until like we cancel the contract but it doesn't have to be like that like you can limit the time frame in the contract right so in the wedding planning example let's just say that they hire you in january for a wedding in december and you're going to charge them twelve thousand dollars i'm using this number for very easy math and you just say it's a thousand dollars right now and then it's one thousand dollars a month uh, up until your wedding day 
And the reason why some people like this option is for cash flow purposes, but also just uh, with the wave of cancellations and postponements we had in 2020, people went to, a few of my students went to this monthly payment option because they said, if someone cancels six months out, I want to say, I've been working for you for six months. I'm keeping all that money and I'll waive all the pay all of the future payments. And that way you don't have to really deal with refunds, which can be a great option for you. And then the, the other methods that we have, um, I should have, okay, so flat fee for project is number three. And this is what you're going to have if you do uh, like I hired someone to set up my Pinterest account. That was a project, like a project fee, right? If I were to go work with Denite on a coaching session, because I believe she does day rates, like anyone who does day rates, if you're a copywriter, designer, whatever, that's a flat fee project, right? You charge $2,000 for half of a day, $750 for two hours. That is kind of just a project rate. Obviously, if you sell goods or products, you basically are doing a flat fee, right? That's very, very simple. Like I have a website, an e-commerce store. This is the price for the thing. Like you pay the price, you get the thing. Very, very simple, right? But flat fee for projects are a big one. You can also, when you have a flat fee for a project, you can split the payments, right? So you can do all the money up front. You can do half and half, or you can do all payment after, which we typically don't recommend. But an example of that would be, when I do one-on-one -on -one strategy sessions, I don't do a whole lot of these anymore. If you want to do one though, message me, we can talk about it. But I would do one hour strategy sessions where you could ask me about anything. So we dive into a ton of tax questions, legal questions, you name it. And my flat rate was $300. So that's a flat rate. I collect all the money upfront. Like it's $300, you pay me. After you pay me, we schedule the consultation. If it was something where I was going to do like a full day for you know, $2,000, I might not, honestly, I still probably would require that all upfront because if someone can pay $2,000 for a full day, um, they could probably pay that upfront. But you could also, if this is a project that's going to take you more time to deliver, like you're not just doing it in a day, then maybe you take a deposit and you take the other payment halfway through the project or before you deliver the final project. That makes a lot of sense as well. Then the last option or the last two methods, I should say, are both retainer methods. So this is where you're taking a deposit to basically hold the date or to guarantee a project. And then you're going to take the remainder and payments. And I differentiate between flat fee retainers and percentage retainers. It's a nuance, but it's an important one, right? The example I always give with this is, let's say your your client project or your package is $4,000, all right? You're a wedding photographer and you charge $4,000 and you your retainer is $1,000. Well, you could say in your contract, there are two different ways you could word this, right? You could say client agrees to pay a retainer equal to 25% of the full contract price in exchange for photographer holding the date for client. So you're saying it's $1,000. That's your retainer, right? The other way you could say it is client agrees to pay a photographer a retainer equal to 25% of the total contract price. That's a percentage retainer. Under both of those examples, the amount that you're collecting is $1,000. But what if you up your rate to $5,000? So under the initial contract, 
like, let's say you just have a contract template and you're going to use the same template, but you're changing your rate to $5,000. The initial contract specifies a retainer of $1,000. The second one requires a retainer of 25%. So $1,000 to 5,000 is only 20%. So now if you're using the second option, 25% is a little bit higher. It's a slight nuance. Um, ultimately, it doesn't matter which one of these you choose. If you're going to go with a percentage, just make the percentage equal the retainer that you actually want to get. I encourage people to use the percentage one um, just because you can, you don't have to edit numbers in your contract. That's what I'm trying to say. You have your total contract price and then everything else is percentages and you don't have to go throughout the contract and like do any kind of math. It's just going to say 25% of the total price. And then you can send the invoice for that amount. You don't have to edit the contract. So that's a good way to think about it. The other thing I want you to consider is that your cancellation and refund provisions are going to be based on your payment method. All right. So your payment method is going to impact a lot of things, a lot of things. It's going to impact refunds. It's going to impact payment schedules, obviously. It's also going to impact... your cash flow. So it's also going to impact your cash flow. Sorry, I had a bit of a moment there trying to figure out what I was going to say. So your payment terms touch a lot of different parts of your contract. So go through your contract and take a moment to look at every single contract provision you have that's impacted by your payment terms and see if there's anything that makes it a little bit tricky that you need to edit. So for example, the cash flow one, that's a big one. I had um, I have one student who always tells me that he gets, for whatever reason, he gets all of his inquiries like after the engagement season, like around the holidays, and all of the inquiries come like around January, and he sends out all of his contracts and all of his invoices in the month of February, to the point where he says like in February he makes ninety percent of his income, and that's not wrong. This is just a cat like this is just a cash flow consideration. He runs his cash flow such that he saves all that money so that he can pay his expenses throughout the year, pay himself throughout the year. That's awesome. A lot of people to be honest, just don't really have the self-control for that. They're going to get all this money and then they're going to want to make big business investments. They're going to, you know, probably like go buy a Louis Vuitton bag or something. And that's fine if you're limiting yourself, but it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like spending creep, right? Your spending kind of creeps up. And before you know it, it's like July, August, and you're like, oh shit, I've run out of money, right? So I personally like to have much more consistent cash flow. So I like to spread my payments out more. And this is what you want to think about in your contract. Like how is the payment term is going to impact when I'm getting money? If I'm going to have peaks and valleys in the year, is that okay with me? Do I want to change it? So something to consider there as well. So finally, I want to give you one more example, and we're going to go back to Jody's contract. We, if you missed the last podcast episode, we went through the scope of work provisions in the contract of my friend and book editor, Jody. And today I'm going to read you her payments provision, which is very, very simple. I'm reading this so you can see how simple it is. Jody's contract simply states client agrees to pay Jody a non refundable deposit of $500 for the services outlined above. Great. So I'm the one signing this contract. I understand. Jody, I'm going to pay you $500 to get this party started. Awesome. The project fee is half a cent, so 0.05 per word. 
with the final word count to be determined after the second pass edit is complete. So we know from reading this previously that Jody's going to do three total editing passes. She's going to do one edit. We're going to review. She's going to do a second edit. We're going to review. And then the final one is a proofread. So after the second pass, we're going to have a final word count and the project fee will be a half a cent per word based on that. Final payment will be billed or due at the time. Jody reserves the right to withhold project delivery until all outstanding project fees are paid in full. So this is a pretty good provision, right? Like if I wanted to be really, really shady after the second pass, I could, you know, be like, I'm not going to pay you. We've already done a lot of editing. I'm going to go and publish this book now. Of course, Jody could sue me. We could have a whole kind of dispute. But Jody is protecting herself, at least in the fact that she's not going to do the third round of editing until she's paid, or rather, she's probably going to do the round of editing, she's just not going to deliver the manuscript. And most people, right, are, we're all ethical people, we're going to pay, we're going to, <laughs> we're going to pay when we say that we're going to pay. Um, but also that added layer of protection is going to be helpful for, for Jody, because hopefully no one will really want to publish their book until a final proofread has been done. Okay. So this is also really helpful because with something like book editing, the scope is going to be hard to determine, right? Because you don't want to tell, like in Jody's situation, she doesn't want to tell me, well, I'm only editing up to 40,000 words, because what if we determine my book needs to be 60,000 words to really cover all the content we want to cover? It would be silly of her to limit the client on the number of words. So instead, she's charging per word count, the amount of scope. That is super reasonable, right? If you're a photographer, typically you're going to charge based on the number of hours that you're covering. And you're going to consider the more hours you're photographing the Is that the right word? Anyway, the, the more hours you're working, the more images you're going to have to edit, right? So your total time is going to impact the total work. Um, for other people, maybe if you're a wedding planner, you need to charge more by how many months this is going to take, but also how big the wedding is. So I would imagine, you could all correct me if I'm wrong, but I would imagine that a lot more work goes into a $200,000 wedding than a $100,000 wedding. Maybe not, right? Maybe they're just spending more money on more expensive flowers and more money on more expensive food. And you don't necessarily need to plan for that. But these are the things that you're going to consider, right? What is going to increase your scope of work and how are you going to address that in your payment terms? So I could probably ramble on this all day, but I've probably done enough at this point. If you have any questions or you want to talk about, you know, payment, if you're curious how other people are taking payment, post in my Facebook group, um, do a survey, ask people what they're doing. We can have a nice dialogue about it. That will be super fun. And then finally, before we wrap up, I just want to remind you that we're all about contracts in the month of July. So if you want help with your contract, post in the Facebook group or shoot me a message on Instagram and let me know. We have a couple of different ways uh, to help you with your contract this month, either in my group program, where I provide you with templates and live group coaching to help you customize your contract as needed, or we can work one-on-one -on -one if you think that would be a better fit for you. So shoot me a message. Hope you enjoyed the episode and I'll be back in your podcast app for the next one. Hey there, before you go, I wanted to give a quick thanks. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. If you loved it, I would love for you to take a screenshot of the episode or snap a quick selfie while you are listening. Share it on social and give me a tag. It'll help other kick-ass entrepreneurs like yourself find the show. That's it for today. I'll be back soon with a new episode. Meanwhile, let's roll up our sleeves and unfuck that biz.